This edition of The Wellness Prescription is brought to you by Healthy Planet, helping the people of the world to live healthy lives. Welcome to The Wellness Prescription on 105.9 The Region. I'm Dr. Claudia. Thank you for joining me today. My guest today is Dr. Marisa. She is a hormone literacy expert. I am so excited to have you joining me today. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me, Dr. Claudia. It is my pleasure to be here. So, Dr. Marisa, hormones to me are is so important, uh, especially because I'm in that tender age group where I'm really aware of what my hormones are doing for my body. So I love the work that you're doing, and I love the fact that you're helping us understand when our hormones are out of balance and how it can impact our health. So many systems get interrupted, and I feel like not enough people know this. So I thought we could start by talking about what effects burnout can have on our hormones. Mm, oh my goodness, <laughs> yes, burnout. So burnout is really defined as you know our body getting into a state of depletion. You know when we are taking on a lot of things energetically, like we're taking on obligations, work, workload, uh, you know, family stuff. Basically, that we are just. It's too much going on. Our, our days are scheduled. Our to-do lists are massive. And over time, when we are running on fumes, basically we're running when we don't have a lot of energy in the tank, that begins to create a situation where we, up, we kind of up-level or we, we raise up what I call the stress response system. And our bodies can go into that state very easily when we are running around from here to there everywhere. Um, especially for women, I, I, you know, I, the, the term is like rushing women's syndrome, <laughs> where we're just running from one thing to the next, and you're pretty much your body is just always on high alert. And when that happens, a lot of hormones are involved, because when we are running at that rate, a lot of our body's physiology has to be involved in that process. And so the key hormones that get in balance are going to be cortisol, which is our number one stress response hormone. And cortisol is kind of one of those big, big players. It has a universal response to pretty much every single cell in the body. So if, if we were racing from one thing to the next, like, like we were running from a tiger, we would have to involve our cardiovascular system, our respiratory system. We'd have to involve our muscles, our eyesight, our brain. And so a lot of that physiology is involved. And we end up co-opting insulin and thyroid hormone to be involved as well so that we can run metabolism. Those are two big metabolic hormones. And what happens is when we are running at that pace for too long, we deplete a lot of those hormones. Insulin becomes imbalanced. We become more insulin resistant. Um, thyroid becomes imbalanced. And ultimately, we start to run down. We start to have less energy. And we just feel like we just don't feel like ourselves anymore. That's how, so often how I, I, I I hear from women as they're tired, they're brain fogged, they feel unmotivated, they feel sluggish, they're, they're putting on weight for what seems like no reason. And that all has to do with our hormones that are extremely sensitive, responding to the fast paced, very quick, very obligated lifestyle that we're living. I, it's so funny because I feel like I'm running away from a tiger every day anyways. Um, and I'm very in tune with the idea of trying to maintain my cortisol, making sure that my insulin resistance is great because I am in that age group. You know, I'm in my 40s and I'm in the age group where it, mm -hmm. I want my hormones to remain as balanced as possible for the simple fact that I want to keep my weight down. I want to be able to exercise. I, I don't want to feel like I have no energy. So the question that I get a lot in my own practice is, yeah. You know, those women who are not losing weight, 
they're actually even gaining weight despite the fact that they're eating healthy and they're exercising regularly. So let's talk a little bit about that and help those women out. Absolutely. Well, especially as we head into perimenopause, even in our mid to late 30s into our 40s, um, things are shifting in our bodies. Our hormones are shifting. Probably one of the most important hormones that are shifting and changing is progesterone. Progesterone is a not only a hormone that helps to maintain pregnancy, it's released the second part of our cycle. It's, it's a great mood support oil or it's a mood support hormone. It's a great mood support a great stress support and sleep support hormone, and it just naturally declines into our mid-30s, into our 40s. And so when we lose that really protective hormone, um, we start to be, we start to feel like our resilience around stress starts to just be less of. We don't find ourselves, we're just more easily triggered where we find ourselves having more mood swings, and that's because of progesterone. Next, estrogen is the next hormone that begins to start to swing. And what we know about estrogen is it is a, insulin protective hormone it's a metabolic protective hormone and so when it begins to start to shift we start to feel that as well so here are what i consider these four things that we can do if we start to notice weight is coming on our energy is lacking we just start to feel those changes one when it comes to um, working out trade in the cardiovascular workouts trade in the long peloton bike rides for weight training one of the things that happen is we start to lose muscle mass as we get older, and our muscles are our number one glucose sponge. We want to we want to suck up all that glucose as much as as possible so that we stabilize our blood sugar levels and our insulin levels. So bringing on the weights is going to be so so critical, and shortening those workouts to like 30 minutes where we really just focus on that weight training two to three times a week is going to make a huge difference. Number two is have a metabolic boosting morning routine. So things to think about is swapping out sugar in your coffee for cinnamon, starting with a belly bloat water, a water that's got um, ginger and lemon and cucumbers in it that help to set up the liver and the gut for digestion, but also help to de-bloat you um, from, the, from whatever you've got going on. Um, and then incorporating protein. We should be eating about 1.25 to 1.5 grams of protein for every kilogram of a kilogram that we have in our body. Um, that's specifically for women as we get older. So increasing the protein intake is going to be super, super huge um, throughout the day. And the last thing that I'd recommend for women as well is a little bit of intermittent fasting. Again, we just become more naturally insulin resistant as we get older, especially in our 40s and beyond. But if we can do a intermittent fasting break um, for 12 hours to 14 hours every single day, that gives our body that opportunity to reset our mitochondria, to boost back up, and our cells to kind of clean up shop. Now, if you can do a 15-hour um, intermittent fasting, you know, from let's say 7 o'clock to you know to 11 a.m. the next day, 7 p.m. to 11 a.m., then you move into cellular autophagy where your cells really clean up shop and you become more efficient at creating more energy in the body. So those would be the recommendations that I would make for women as they pivot into their 40s and beyond. 
I, I, that's fantastic. Like those are such great tips. Um, amazing that we have to remember to do those things. And they're simple enough where they're not going to be difficult to recommend or incorporate into our daily routine. So most of us believed at one point or another that what we ate, how much water we drank, and the amount of exercise we did or continue to do uh, will determine our weight. But there are so many other factors involved. I know you kind of touched upon it, but what are some of those other factors that will determine our weight? Absolutely. So those definitely can determine our weight to some degree. Lifestyle plays a major role. Sleep, you know, if you're not getting enough sleep, it's going to show up in belly fat, you know, over time because it's going to create insulin resistance. We know that if you are running from the proverbial tiger all day long, which some of us as women can trigger up the stress response system 50 times a day, like we're literally always in a stressed mode, that also is a major adverse effect in managing our weight. Um, But the big, big players, especially as we get older, I think women need to understand that as our bodies and our physiology is shifting, our hormones are shifting when we go into perimenopause and into menopause. So late 30s, 40s, 50s, and beyond, hormones are changing, and we've got to be able to pivot with those hormones. And so the two that I had mentioned earlier were those reproductive hormones. Progesterone tanks as early as our early 40s um, into our mid-40s, and that has a profound impact in our ability to manage stressful situations, um, and that can have an adverse effect on, on our ability to have enough energy, um, our ability to manage cortisol, and ultimately manage insulin as well in our blood sugar levels. And then the other hormone that we're most concerned about is going to be estrogen, and that is as it declines over time, we're also going to see a decline in insulin sensitivity to the point that women over 40, literally over 80% of women over 40 have insulin resistance. And that in turn leads to low metabolic flexibility and low metabolic health, which can create that that weight gain. And so the recommendations that I made just a minute ago are so, so key. Like, we just we have to do those things over time. Like we've got to shift our workouts to more building muscle. We've got to focus more on that protein. We have to be mindful of the carbs and the sugar, and most importantly, the alcohol. Because although it's highly marketed to us that we should be drinking wine to do the wind down, it is so detrimental to our neurological health, our gut health, and most importantly, our our blood sugar levels. And so I just think, you know, the more that we can educate women in terms of the changes that happen with our bodies, the more that we can all get set up for success. You know, I'm I'm 41 right now, post I'm six months postpartum with my baby. And, um, you know, it's a major changes. Not only am I not only just had a baby, but I'm also in my 40s. -hmm. I'm in perimenopause. And so all the things that I mentioned today, I I have adopted and I'm, I'm very, very stringent on it because. I've noticed, I I noticed before I ever got pregnant that my metabolism had shifted. And when we understand what's happening with our hormone systems, it makes so much sense. You're like, okay, naturally this was going to happen because our genetics and our our hormone systems really haven't caught up with with what I call the standard American lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And so we have to know that there are just pivots that we're going to have to make if we want to maintain great metabolic function. Um, great um, cellular energy and great cellular longevity. And I think that if we can set women up for success with that knowing, then they can make those pivots and they can really see those big metabolic changes shifting. 
And I couldn't agree with you more. And I I advocate a lot of the stuff that we're talking about. And it is such an important point that at a certain age, and usually around, I noticed it when I was in my, you know, early to mid 40s. I'm actually 48 now. Yes, I announced it on air. I'm 48. And I did notice the shift in my body. And you're so right, you do have to pivot and do things a little differently. And you know what, you just make it part of what you do every day, because you know, it's for a greater good and a greater goal of just having that energy and that longevity and being able to do the things that you still love to do. So I love that. And I'm going to encourage more women to do this. But perimenopause, it's a frightening thought to me. So I mean, what are the signs? What are the symptoms? How would a woman know that they are in perimenopause? That's a great question. So there are actually four phases of perimenopause. And kind of remember, I know we all remember when we had, when we were going through puberty. And a lot of us don't realize that puberty is often an eight to 10 year process until we're like fully reproductively matured up. And it was a wild and crazy ride our teenage years. A lot of hormone changes, a lot of things happening. It's no surprise that perimenopause is on average a 10 year process to decline out of it. Actually, a big majority of our life we are not necessarily in like full reproduction, that reproductive age. Um, you know, a lot of our time is spent out of running are those reproductive hormones, running the ovaries, if we think about it. And so perimenopause is really that slow decline out when your ovaries are like, I am done doing this job. And so it usually starts for some of us and it actually it has come on earlier due to the way that we live our life. And so some women can begin to experience early, early signs of perimenopause as early as 35 years old. And it can, it can be as, as late as like 45, 46 years old. It just really depends on your body, your lifestyle, and, and what you've been doing. The initial signs is, again, just a little less resilience. Again, progesterone is beginning to decline there, that stress protective hormone. So we will notice that we're more triggered. We will notice that maybe we are a little bit tired in the afternoon. Those workouts that we used to do at 6 p.m., they're just not serving us anymore. And maybe it's not as easy like to lose weight. We can't just go on a flash diet or do some crazy hit training workouts and just drop weight like that. Like 35 is not 30 and 30 is not 25, right? We notice those shifts, even those five-year increments. Um, then I would say, you know, those are kind of those changes that you'll experience maybe into your mid, late 30s, maybe even early 40s. Around 42, 43 is where women really begin to notice the shortening of their luteal cycle. So maybe a 28-day period is now 26 days. And so I really always advocate to women to track their menstrual cycle because your menstrual cycle is a fifth vital sign. It gives us so much information about what's going on. Other things that will begin to happen into our mid-40s is you will start to notice those metabolic changes. Maybe you may have a couple of night sweats, but maybe not. Um, you'll notice maybe sleep is disrupted. Those are kind of like as we start to see the major shifts with testosterone, and estrogen, and progesterone, those are the types of changes we'll start to see. And then you get into your late 40s. I would say 47, 48, 49, maybe even 50 where estrogen's really going in the roller coaster. Some months it's really, really high. Some months it's really, really low. There's going to be months where you're going to have anovulatory cycles, which means you do not ovulate, which I call the main event um, <laughs> for our cycle. Um, and you'll notice you'll have no bleeding, scant bleeding one month, and then super, super heavy bleeding the next month. Also sleep disruptions, maybe hot flashes at this point. 
Maybe not. Definitely your cycle is shortening even more. And so you're going to notice that turbulence. I call this the eye of the storm for some of us. Metabolically, you're definitely holding on to weight potentially. And again, it all just depends on lifestyle. So I have, I've known friends and women in my life where the only thing that they noticed was their periods got shorter and there was a little bit of heavy bleeding and then bam, they were in menopause. <laughs> and so it just really depends on what is going on. And then stage four, I call it the proverbial waiting room. And that is where kind of things have settled down significantly. The heavy bleeding hasn't been happening as much, you know, and you just, you just know that menopause is around the corner. And I, I call menopause that moment where your period hasn't happened in 12 months and then all the way to the end of your life. So you can be in menopause for, gosh, 40 years, um, you know, moving forward. And that proverbial waiting room is you kind of just waiting to see when you will stop having a period. And it could be, you know, you could go three months without one or six months without one and then start all over again. And kind of the average age for women who hit menopause is going to be 51, but it can range all the way from 45 to 57 years old. It just really depends on oftentimes genetics. You know, oftentimes when your mom went into menopause can be the time when you go into menopause. So that is, that is the spectrum of perimenopause in a nutshell. Wow. And we're talking about as small as four years to up to 12 years. Wow. And the transition is one of the biggest times in our lives where we're doing the biggest stuff. So I just wanted to just emphasize that um, it's a huge transition for us. Well, I am proud to announce that I think I'm officially in perimenopause. <laughs> when we come back, essential yeah. oils and menopause. This is the Wellness Prescription on 105.9 The Region. Stay with us. Have a question for Dr. Claudia? Call us at 416-335-1059. Tweet us at 105.9 The Region or email us info at 1059theregion.com. The Wellness Prescription with Dr. Claudia on 105.9 The Region. You're listening to 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to The Wellness Prescription. So before the break, Dr. Marisa and I were discussing our connections to perimenopause, what's going on in our lives around the time of perimenopause. But she also wrote a book, and it's called Essential Oils Menopause Solution. So I'm excited to hear about this because now that I know I'm in perimenopause, I could use all the help you're willing to offer. So how do essential oils help women with menopause? Absolutely. Well, as, as we've been talking about, lots of big changes happening. Lots of symptoms can pop up. And this journey, as you and I both know, it is a continuum. Our health journey never ends. And there are definitely days where it can feel like a struggle. It can, we can have that resistance. And one of the things that I've always wanted to bring to the table for women were instant wins. Because I believe that we deserve instant wins all day long. And so there are essential oils that can help with hot flashes, like peppermint and lavender. There are essential oils that can help with energy boosting. I have an instant energy blend that I've been using for years. It's just peppermint and wild orange in a little roller, and it will literally go, take you from zombie status to <laughs> rock star status in less than 30 seconds. And so there's ways in which that we can punctuate using powerful aromatic chemical constituents known as essential oils that will literally change our mood, boost our energy, give us more focus and concentration, support our hot flashes, support our digestive system, and just help to create some self-care in our day, which I think is so, so critical. So that's how essential oils, I can go into more details and more recipes, but that's how I find that essential oils can really show up for us. And I don't know about you, but I could use a little happy boost, mm -hmm. a little energy boost, 
a little relaxation boost pretty much multiple times throughout the day. I think that's fantastic. And we don't, we're not aware of how like our olfactory senses can really affect what's happening in the other systems in our body. So I think that's a really good point. So if you had to pick, let's say like two essential oils that you could keep in your purse, um, you know, so that in the case of an emergency during the day, which ones would you recommend? I would recommend, usually it's stress, right? Usually stress is the big, the big heavy hitter. So my go-to oil for that would be either lavender or bergamot. Both oils have been shown to clinically reduce um, pulse, reduce blood pressure, reduce serum cortisol levels in literally 60 seconds by simply breathing them in. Super, super powerful. Um, And I just put a drop on my palms, rub my palms together, and breathe them in. The other oil that I would always have with me at all times is going to be peppermint. Peppermint is phenomenal for headaches. It's phenomenal for energy, for cravings, for focus and concentration, um, for, you know, I just, for hot flashes. I mean, honestly, um, peppermint is probably one of the biggest jack of all trades. I would never leave home without that oil. Yeah, I have to say that's one of my favorites too. And actually, you know, it helped me get through the pandemic because, you know, having to wear masks everywhere, I just kept the peppermint with Mm -hmm. me, put a drop in there so that you're constantly breathing in that nice um, scent. And I found that it just helped me stay really calm. So I love that one. One of my favorites. So it seems like now Mm -hmm. would be a great time to bring up the idea of the liver, okay, the liver and how it affects hormone balance. So let's get talking about the liver and why it's important to keep it in check. Absolutely. The, I, the liver to me is a woman because the liver is the <laughs> ultimate multitasker. Right. She has got so many jobs that she does every single second of the day. I believe over 500 jobs that we know of. And one of the things that the liver is involved with is not only helping to build hormones, but also helping to break them down through its two-phase liver, like two-phase detoxification system. And phase three is actually inside of our gut microbiome. So just know that the gut plays a big role here too. The liver and the gut work really well together. So an example of this is going to be estrogen. And one of the things that women may not know is that when it comes to estrogen, we've got to use it and lose it. (laughs) We do not want excess estrogen in the system or excess estrogen metabolites because estrogen is a growth hormone. And we know that it can lend to, especially if it goes down the wrong pathways, it can lend to things like breast cancer, uterine cancer, and cervical cancer. So we want to be really, really mindful. Also fibroids. You know, and 80% of women, um, even before menopause, have fibroids. Often most of us don't know about it, and that's because estrogen is going down what I call one of the, one of the proliferative pathways that it can go down. So in order to ensure that estrogen is broken down properly through phase one and phase two liver detoxification, we want to make sure that we are loving our liver. And ways to do that is drinking a lot of water every single day, adding a little bit of lemon to it. If you can do some apple cider vinegar, even better, helps to support the, the gut and the liver. Um, taking, um, making sure that we have important liver um, vitamins and minerals. And so magnesium, B vitamins, choline, um, glutathione, these are vitamin C, all super effective at helping the liver do its job. And then essential amino acids. So making sure that we're eating adequate enough protein so that we're getting those amino acids to run the process. Other things to consider is significantly cutting down alcohol because when the liver is having to break down alcohol, which becomes a major priority, it has to divert its, its resources over there and it can't do the job of breaking down our hormones. 
um, cutting down on um, over-the-counter medications if you can, things like non-steroidal anti-inflammatories, ibuprofen, um, Advil, those types of things. And then also um, making sure that you are eating liver-loving foods. This is bitter greens like chard and dandelion greens, arugula, um, also focusing on the color of the rainbow, um, focusing on teas like matcha and dandelion root tea. These are all going to be huge for supporting the liver. So all of these different types of everyday, like daily ways that we can support the liver will help your liver to do its job for a long, long time. Is as we are navigating this terrain of, of hormone shifts and changes, and, you know, society kind of paints a picture of us as women just kind of like our, our worth deteriorates as we, as we age. And I think one of the best things that we can do is really have an, a powerful mindset that we get to show up and operate however we want to in our 40s, 50s, and beyond. Like, we get to have that wisdom. We get to have the energy. We get to have the metabolism. Like, we really do get our set, our, set ourselves up for success and mindset's that first, first piece. And one of the ways that we can really solidify that mindset is through self-love and self-care. How we treat ourselves. Like one of my favorite quotes is, you know, by Maya Angelou is, how can I expect you know, how can I expect to, you know, treat my, how can I expect to be treated well if I'm not treating myself well, basically, was the concept of it. And so we have to really be, be open to loving ourselves, whether it's like a five-minute morning routine or evening routine. Um, and how we can do that is simply just, you know, it's, there's a lot of different ways that we can do that. Journaling, gratitude, taking a walk outside, you know, um, focusing on, you know, affirmations. I mean, I've got so many different tips and tricks. But by creating that, by focusing on ourselves and focusing on our health, we really, we can shift our hormones in such a big way. We get our energy back. We are able to, you know, stabilize cortisol and insulin and thyroid hormone. We're just able to really give ourselves that, that nourishing that we give so many other people. And it allows us to have that longevity for many, many years to come. And I know one of the things that matter to women is for us to show up for the people that matter most to us. And when we show up for ourselves and we love ourselves and we take care of ourselves, we're able to do that for our people as well and really show up for those relationships. So there's only side benefits and positives to us doing the self-care piece. It's just a matter of making it a priority. And even if we can just carve out 10 minutes or five minutes in the morning and the evening, that makes a world of difference to our physiology and to our relationships. I couldn't agree with you more, and I cannot thank you enough. This has been an amazing episode. I've learned so much. If women want to learn more about you, if they want to buy your book or your programs, how can they do that? They can come and check out my website. It's drmarisa.com, D-R-M-A-R-I-Z-A.com. Um, they can also check out um, my podcast, Essentially You. Um, it is on iTunes and everywhere. Um, podcasts are listening. You can listen to podcasts. And then you can also check me out on Instagram at Dr. Marisa. Love it. And you can find me on Instagram at Claudia underscore Michaela or my website, ClaudiaMichaela.com. That's our show for this week. For previous broadcasts of The Wellness Prescription, go to our website, 1059theregion.com. Thank you for listening. The Wellness Prescription was brought to you by Healthy Planet. Order online at HealthyPlanetCanada.com or go online to find a location nearest you.